Get ready, Avalanche Territory. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Denver Sports is your home for the most Avalanche content. Now here's your host, Mike Evans. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Mile High Hockey. She's Rachel Hill. I'm Will Peterson. We're filling in for Mike Evans today. Rachel, the Avalanche are 2-0. and and uh, in a town that needs good sports news right now, it is fun that hockey is back. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. And I've been telling people, I'm like, this feels very similar, like the camaraderie of this team, you know, the depth that they have, it feels very similar to the cup run a little bit. I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself because we're only two games in and it's a very long season, but like this feels different than last year. I don't know how you're feeling the same way, Will. Yeah, I think there's something about starting on the road too, right? Like. Right. It's just the boys being together out in California. There's no banner raising. There's no pressure of all that. You know, they lost in round one last year. It's a fresh slate. It's a new start. They had a long summer and and I'm with you. It feels like, like the stars have shown up in a big way in those first two games, you know, on, on the first one against the Kings, you get goals from Kale, Miko and Nathan. And then on Saturday night against the Sharks in a game where their goaltender just stands on his head. Kale gets one in the final 90 seconds to get it to overtime, eventually goes to a shootout, and Miko has the game winner in the shootout. It's like, okay, these boys are fresh. These boys are buzzing, and and the stars uh, have shown up in a big way for the app so far. 100%. Real quick before we can get into, like, all the big names for the ads, Mackenzie Blackwood, are you kidding me? 111 shots, and, like, it goes to a shootout. It was just crazy. That game was intense. He was unreal, and, and the goal that Kale finally beat him on, he never even saw it. So you mm-hmm. give Kale credit on the snipe, but you're right, Blackwood. It was the Avs' 50th technical shot on goal of the night that that Kale had. Yep. You give Blackwood a ton of credit because um, he almost stole that game for the Sharks in a, in a in a contest that anyone who watched it knows was super lopsided. Who the better team was? No, for sure. And yeah, you go back to the stars, Nathan McKinnon in that game. 14 shots on goal. Miko ran and obviously with the shootout goal. Miko has been an absolute stud and I feel like he is the most underappreciated player in the NHL for how much he like stands up in the moose and we're all like, all right, here we go, Miko. Like, let's see big numbers. And yet he's producing. But yet when we're talking about like the big names when it comes to the Colorado Avalanche team, it's Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr. And then you can kind of get down there and then people get down to Miko. Like, I feel like people even put Gabe and he's not even playing before Miko. Yeah, like we need to start the Miko Rantanen fan club. He had four points against the Kings. His first goal was a filthy snipe. His second goal, the hand-eye coordination on that tip-in was ridiculous. And then, again, Blackwood is standing on his head. He's impossible to beat. And Miko dings one off the post and in in the shootout. Rachel, I, I got to ask you right now. Everyone always says Miko is the Avs' third best player. And we're not trying to take anything away from Kale and Nathan. I get it. Mm-hmm. But is there a chance Miko is their second best player or their best player like it sounds so odd but it's he's that freaking good at 100 points last year we all know that I know and that's a debate I've been having personally too because right like when you talk with other fans they're always like oh Nathan McKinnon Kale McCarr like you love to see it and they're big names for a reason but you're kind of like sometimes we don't see them show up every single time like I feel like we're consistently talking about Miko showing up every single game and like maybe yeah there's like a game or two where you're like all right Miko like it's time to shine but all of a sudden he pops out it's it's a good question but it's also so hard to sit there and be like okay Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon like 
those are two huge names. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Well, and, and so Devontae signs this new contract, right? He's going to be here for seven years. I tweeted last week, Rachel, McKinnon will finish his career here. He's got the long, long, long deal. Taves will finish his career here. Gabe, almost assuredly, we're keeping our fingers crossed he can never play again, will finish his career here. Yeah. But you get one more deal done with Miko and Kale and, and throwing a Chushkin in there too. Rachel, we're looking at this core they may all never play for another team. That is phenomenal roster management by the Avs, by Joe Sackick, by Chris McFarland. You don't let your good players get away, and it's lo- it looks like that's what the Avs are doing. No, 100%. And, yeah, you got to give credit to management over there because they're keeping the core together. Like, there's always been this core, and then we're seeing, like, the rotations, right, of the guys who aren't getting the super long contracts. It's like, okay, how well are you going to fit in with this? But seeing Devontae's get a seven-year extension just really shows you that he is part of this core. Like, I don't know if the Avs would have won the Stanley Cup if him and Kale McCarr, Devontae's and Kale McCarr, hadn't been the duo that they were defensively during the cup run. Like, think about it. Kale may have gotten all of the, like, high praise and everything, but that duo right there, that means a lot to this Colorado Avalanche team. Yeah, I mean, we're talking underappreciated. You bring up Miko, I agree with you. But yep. Devontae's maybe the most underappreciated guy on the team because, yeah, Kale's the, the you know, the stud the sexy one, whatever. Like, he's the big name. I, I meant, like, his name, Rachel. Yeah, he, I got you, I got you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But, like, <laughs> but, but like, it, it's it's because of his partner that he can thrive as much as he does. Like, Kale would be great whoever he played with, but he and Taze have a, have a real chemistry. And I just think back to the parade after they won the Stanley Cup, and those two were having the greatest time of their lives. And I think it it says so much about the fact that, like, you can have coworkers, you can have teammates, right, where you all get along on the ice. But when you take that off of the ice or off, like, out of work, out of the office, and you still have that, like, camaraderie, I think that means a lot. And it shows that chemistry even more so when you're doing your job and you're out on the ice. All right, so we've talked about the Kings game, the Sharks game. Let's look ahead. Kraken tonight in Seattle. Tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Is it Tuesday night? Tuesday night, yep. Okay, my bad, my bad. Uh, We're recording this on Monday. It'll air on Monday night. So Tuesday night uh, in Seattle. Do you buy into, like, the revenge thing? Like, is is there revenge to be had after the Kraken were the team that ultimately kept the Avs uh, from defending their cup? It's fascinating to me because when I first thought of this, I was like, okay, like, yeah, they're turning back. But to be honest, I think it's going to be more of a story of like Val Nichushkin returns to where the drama kind of happened. Like, it feels like it. the Avs didn't really, this is going to kind of sound silly. You tell me if you think the same way. Like, I don't think that the Avs necessarily like lost that series because of the play on the ice. It was more about what was going on behind the scenes. Like, I think if no drama would have happened, I think that the Avs would have given it a run and probably would have advanced to the second round. That's my personal opinion. You can take it what it is, not taking anything away from the Kraken. But it's more so of like, we're returning to the place that the drama happened and to not let any of that affect moving on to this season. And that's, I think, what we're really going to learn is if they have all, everything has been forgiven and they are 100% moving on, then I don't think we're going to see any sort of, you know, chemistry bursting on the ice or anything like that. Like it's going to be the same we saw for the past two games, but if things haven't changed and everything is just kind of being put a bandaid on it, I think we're actually going to see that on the ice tomorrow night. 
Yeah, you're right. With Val Nachushkin back in Seattle, it's got to be kind of personally weird for him because, Rachel, we, we don't really know what happened. We, you know, we know there's a police report. We know there's a 911 call. We know there's body cam footage. Yep. We've talked about that ad nauseum. We don't need to reset all that. But even for Val himself, just being back in Seattle, that's probably going to trigger some, oh, man, I got ushered out of here in a hurry out of this hotel room into who knows where on earth after that. Um, yeah, it'd be good to – Let's just hope Val's on the ice, maybe gets a goal, they get a win, and then they get back here to Denver. Like, it would be kind of good to just sort of put all the Seattle demons uh, to bed, if you will. No, 100%. And I hope that they do. I hope Val can go off and have a goal. I hope Nathan McKinnon can go out there and have a goal. And I hope everybody can be reminded of who this Colorado Avalanche team is because they still have a majority of the core that won the Cup. And so last year, we're kind of just looking at it as like a fluke year. Knock on some wood. I'm not trying to jinx anybody there. All right, let's talk about Georgie because he's been great in the first two games. Uh, gives up two against the Kings, including a fluky one at the end of the second period. Only one against the Sharks. I feel like he's even underappreciated, and he wasn't the goalie when they won the Cup. So it's like he's got to sort of earn his stretch, right? He doesn't have the hardware. He doesn't have the ring like the rest of the guys do. But, I mean, this guy was awesome last year, Rachel, and he's, he's off to a good start this year. I, I'm a big Georgie fan, and, and I hope – that the, you know, the room is embracing him as they should, and, and I'm going to hope they are. See, I'm even that person that you're speaking to. I owe Alexander, Alexander Georgiev. Man, there you go. sometimes I'm like, blah, 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 talking about all these names. But I owe him an apology, Will, because last year I was not on that bandwagon. I was, I felt like all the big games where I was like, okay, Georgie, like show up, like let's go, I really need you. I felt like more often than not, I walked away, which is so funny when you look back at how well that team played. But I felt like I was like, oh, like maybe Darcy Kemper would have done better. And not that Darcy Kemper played that well even during the Stanley Cup run, but it was like I was hoping for more out of Georgiev. And I owe, I owe him an apology because I was not on the bandwagon, and I, I am now. He has stood on his head, it felt like, multiple times. And even when times were, you know, maybe a puck did slip in, it's not like he crumbled. And I think that that shows a lot about the maturity of him. And I even like, too, that he was talking about um, after the game on Saturday, he was like, I don't research any of the guys. Like, I just want it to be 1v1. Like, I don't look at it and I'm like, okay, I know that this guy likes to do a shootout this sort of way or however it is. He's like, nope, it's just me and that guy one-on-one, -on -one, like, who's going to go and win? And I, I like that about him a lot. The fact that he's not trying to get in anybody's head and so often or not, you see players who kind of get in their own head more or not, like, more so more often. And I like that Georgie's kind of like, no, 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 like, we're taking this back just almost old school of like, we can have all the research in the world, but like, let's just get a feeling for how this is going to go. I respect him for that. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen that. So that's really interesting you bring that up. And I, I'm with you. It's kind of, you know, whatever works for you. You don't have to be living in 2023. If you want to do it the old school way and it works and it clearly did for him, then, then all good. Home opener coming up this week against the Blackhawks. Connor Bedard will be here, the 18-year-old phenom, the number one overall pick. Yeah. Uh, he obviously is off to a fast start. Got a goal in his second game, got assist in his first game. Mm -hmm. The Blackhawks aren't expected to be any good, but like, how much extra ju juice does that add to that game? National TV, ball arena, first game back in Denver, and Bedard is in the building. Uh, I think it does add a little bit of juice, right? Because there's always these young players that come in and we hear about, oh, how the NHL is always getting younger and that kind of stuff. And it's like, yes, I'm happy to see that. But Nathan McKinnon has to be looking at this kid like, 
all right, like, let's see how well you play when you come to like be with the top dogs, right? Like there has to be a little bit of juice. If I was out there, that's what I would be thinking. So I think it'll definitely add a little bit, but I think this Colorado Avalanche team, thanks to Jared Bednar, or Bednar is just so focused on their own game plan that they don't really worry about any of the other storylines. Like they have their their core and what they're trying to do and how they want to play the game of hockey, that it feels like they're never kind of worried about anything else. None of the other storylines. And you got to give Jared credit on that because it's just like so often or not, you can get caught up in some of the hype and he's really, it just felt like year after year kind of kept him just back to that basic core of like, this is how we play avalanche hockey. So I just got to give credit where credit's due there. Yeah, like the ESPN broadcast is going to be a love fest for Bedard. We can already all picture that. Every single Bedard cutaway, every single Bedard backstory. And it's like, okay, guys, that's fun. But, like, why don't we talk about Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon and Mitchell Hanton, you know? It'll it'll be interesting to see. All right, let's go big picture um, as as we put a bow on this thing. Are you are you planning the parade route? Do you have it mapped out? Like, what are the expectations for the Avalanche? We're two games in. Like you said, it's an incredibly small sample size. Yeah. But it does feel like there's some juice to a team that's on a mission to prove that they weren't a one-and-done champion, that they can build somewhat of a dynasty here in Denver. Listen, I'm never going to say after two games, like, let's crown the champs or anything of that nature. There's so much. The season is so long. I honestly wish that the NHL would, like, cut off a few games because it just feels like it goes on forever and ever and ever. And I know hockey fans are like, Rachel, why would you say that? But trust me, it's a long season. But one, it feels different this year. feels way different than it did last year. You can tell that this team is locked in. But you got to stay healthy. And that's kind of the biggest thing. And I know everybody says that. But, like, this team has to stay healthy. They do have a lot of pieces, which is great. They have their core back. They have Kale McCarr. They have Miko. They have Nathan. Devontae's like, you have so many. Nachuskin, obviously, back. They have to stay healthy. I like the pieces that they've added in around all of those guys. I like that they went older. Like, I feel like a lot of times now in the NHL, it's like, oh, get younger, get younger, get younger. I like that they actually went older and they went with players that have that experience. And they can go out there and they don't ride the highs and lows. It's just kind of a steady. So I really like that for the Avalanche. Um, I think they'll make it further than they did last year in the playoffs. Again, there's so much can happen between now and what is it, June, when this can all end if they end up going to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I think the last game's like April 17th or something. So we've we've got a heck of a journey between now and the playoffs. For sure, for sure. But yeah, I'm like, I think this team will go further than last year which was just a bummer it just ended on a bad note but that season felt so long because they had such a short summer purting and everything else then you have all the drama but I'm feeling better I'm not willing to crown them yet but it's feeling a lot like two years ago for sure what about you yeah no I I feel the same way I I think you know I went to that opening media day and Mm -hmm. the theme amongst all of them was hey losing in the first round sucked we're not going to deny that but having a full summer of rest a long summer was just so needed and so necessary. These guys have played the most hockey of anyone since basically COVID, Rachel. That screwed the whole schedule up with the bubble and everything. They hadn't had a summer like this since 2019. Can you imagine how much fresher these dudes must feel having legit four months off rather than, you're right, they win the cup in late June, they party all summer, and then all of a sudden they're back at training camp. Like, it just wasn't enough rest. It wasn't enough break. I think uh, losing in round one, blessing in disguise. I really do. 
Uh, and it's fascinating too, because everyone's talking about this with the Nuggets too, of like, oh, is there going to be that championship hangover? Hockey and basketball is totally different because for hockey, the Stanley Cup travels. So they all go to like different parties and you never know, like you could end up getting the cup in August. You know what I mean? And you just right. don't know when the, it's going to line up with your schedule. So I do think that the winning the Stanley Cup and being able to go back to back, we have to give credit to the Lightning a couple years ago. Like it's tough to do because your summer can be so short. My question to you on Thursday night, as I messed it up, how many times do you think the broadcast broadcast messed up Bernard and Bednar? Like oh. when you try and do both of them, I was like, wait, Jared Bernard. I was like, wait a second, what? Yeah, Jared Bednar, Connor <laughs> Bedard. Yes, that is a tongue twister for sure. See, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I just messed it up there anyways. It's definitely one of those. I, I'm already taking the over on that one for sure for the broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rachel, it was fun. I appreciate you joining me. Uh, we're always happy to sit in for Mike, but Mike will be back with you later in the week. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Mile High Hockey. For Rachel, I'm Will. See you soon.